People at their first sex party are freaked out. I was petrified. My first play party was about seven years ago, and I went with an ex-girlfriend, and I just felt so awkward. I didn't know anybody there except for her. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know the etiquette. I didn't like my outfit. I've come to realize that when I look good, I feel good, and I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. It was a, I was wearing a suit, but the suit pants were like too baggy. You know, I had, I had this suit made in Thailand like eight years ago or 10 years ago, and it was just not a modern cut. And so I kind of felt like like a schlump. I was a schlump at a sex party, and I didn't know how to talk to people. And I saw all these people having sex and doing all sorts of awesome, sexy things. And I just, I didn't know what to do. And I want to say that it got better from there. And it, it did. The second party I went to, I had a friend and I talked to people and I actually had another woman there that sort of like coached me through the sex party thing. And at at one point, I remember she, I was clutching my water bottle like a baby in front of my chest because I was so uncomfortable. And she was like, yo, can you just like put your water bottle down and uh, come over here and kiss me? And as soon as that happened, I got way more comfortable. And then that evening, actually, I should I should probably do a whole episode about that particular play party because a lot of firsts happened at that party. And I met some amazing people that I'm still friends with today at that party. So the thing with sex parties is that you have to be invited. You have to be in the know to find out about sex parties. And you know who's in the know Lila Donalo is in the know. Lila is the host of the Horizontal with Lila podcast, a podcast about sexuality and intimacy that is recorded entirely lying down. I had the pleasure to be interviewed on her podcast, and I have to say it is a lovely, lovely experience. Lila also lives in a sex-positive intentional community called Hacienda. And at Hacienda, they throw play parties, they throw workshops, they throw all sorts of events that are uh, play party related. And so it's a great place to sort of get introduced to the world of play parties. So Lila and I talk about what it means to live in a sex positive, intentional community. We talk about some of the practices that they have at some of their parties. We talk about uh, this concept of desires, fears, and boundaries, which we've talked about before on this show. But Lila, she adds this other dimension of intention, desires, fears, boundaries, and intention, which I absolutely adore. Lila is warm, she's sweet, she's intimate, she's playful, and you're going to love this episode. Also, I just want to let you know that uh, in the middle of this episode, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. So stay tuned. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Are you ready? Yeah. Lila? Yes, Sean. Could you please introduce yourself? My name is Lila Donalo, and... 
I'm the host of the podcast Horizontal with Lila, where I have intimate conversations with people that are entirely recorded while lying down, as we did just yesterday in my room without the AC, sweltering, naked. That was the first time I've recorded naked. I spend a lot of time naked because I live in this clothing optional intentional community, which makes it sound like a nudist colony. It's not. It's just that we're totally comfortable with nudity and with people being at various stages of undress in our home. The place where I live is a, is a really special environment. It is a sex positive intentional community called Hacienda Villa, which literally means house house. And the other house that <laughs> that the owner has in New Orleans that's more of a retreat space and an Airbnb, but you have to rent out the whole joint for sex positivity, is called Hacienda Maison, which is also house house. <laughs> so there's a theme of the houses being doubled. So it was co-founded by Andrew Sparksfire who's a real estate guy and had thrown sex parties called Hacienda for many years, seven years, I think, when we started the house. And Kenneth Play, who's a sex educator, sex coach. Sex hacker. He loves the word hacker. So the sex positive intentional community, and a lot of people ask me what both of those terms mean. So I usually define them separately. Yes, please. That's actually my first question. So, good job. Sex positivity to me is a celebration of all sexual acts and relationship styles and structures between consenting adults. And that includes also opting out of sex. So, asexuality and demisexuality are included on that spectrum and are to be respected and celebrated as the choices that people want to make. It is a celebration of the choices that people make regarding their sexuality, but it's predicated upon honesty. So knowing yourself, knowing your desires, communication, being able to tell other people what they are, asking for what you want, and mutual respect. I think what's important about sex positivity is the celebration of a myriad and, and also ever-evolving array of choices that people can make. And also what I think, what I find implicit in it is the sense that it will evolve throughout our lifetime. It will change our preferences, our desires, and maybe even our relationship styles, or maybe even how we think we are wired or what we think of as our species, as Reed Mahalko would say, that might change throughout our lives as well. And I think a lot of the issues from our sex-negative culture come from people assuming that you have to take a label and live it through your entire life. And any deviation from that is considered failure. It's really detrimental to our romantic lives and our sexual lives yeah. and our, our, our sense of being right with our souls, I think. So sex positivity. And then intentional community. There's a lot of 
unintentional community in New York. <laughs> People living together because they needed a roommate and they can't afford a whole apartment. And so they found something on Craigslist or people who don't have a guarantor, somebody who's willing to vouch that they can pay the rent because you're supposed to, there's something absurd. Like you have to make 50 times the rent in order to be able to prove that you can rent a place. And most people don't have that. So you have to get somebody who does to say, this person's cool. They'll pay their rent. And most of us don't have access to that. You know, even 10 times the rent. It's absurd. Right. It's absurd. So how are you going to do it? You know, and so a lot of times people will move in someplace with one person who had a guarantor and they'll just take a room. And so they're living alongside one another. Hmm. They are living adjacent. Hmm. They're not living intentionally. So an intentional community first and foremost means we're living together on purpose. We choose to live together. It's deliberate. And then also that we have some kind of mission or something that is important to all of us that unites us on this planet. And in this case, it's the sex positive culture. It's a desire to to share a celebration of sex and sexual exploration with the world. So we have an event space that's called Hacienda Studio in the house, and you've been there, and it's kind of fabulous. And we throw, we used to throw more parties. This year, we're not throwing actually any of the large-scale play parties. We used to do 250-person play parties that encompass the entire building. Every floor had a different theme. But there, there have been some issues and some complications. And I think they were right to suspend those larger parties for the year and also focus on the real mission of Hacienda now, which has crystallized and is outward facing and is to bring people in, not just to create insular parties for the people who have been partying together for years. That's the, that's the old Hacienda. Mm. The new Hacienda is to say, hey, what are you curious about? We have something for that. Come take a look and see what you're interested in. And so the programming now is really incredible. So we have Dr. Jana doing sex science socials where she has a different topic, usually once a month during the school year because she's a professor of human sexuality at NYU. And she will go into the peer-reviewed science on a different topic like by curiosity, non-monogamy, and break it down in layman's terms and, you know, open the floor up for questions. And it's, it's really fantastic. And it's just, it's just the science. Nobody's getting naked on those nights unless it happens later. That has not happening in the room on that night. Unless you get invited into the VIP room. Correct. The VIP rooms. Right. All our rooms are VIP naturally. Yeah. And they also, a lot of them have signs on the door saying, this is a private space. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're invited into the space, do not Don't into the space. enter. Yeah. My housemate said, I made that sign for, for one of the parties that said, keep out perverts unless personally invited by Zed. And he liked it so much, he kept it up. <laughs> yeah. It's a great sign. It's very clear. Yeah, unless personally invited. So sex science socials happen, and we also have pretty regularly Kenneth teaching practical hands-on stuff, like his most popular course is female ejaculation or squirting. 
And he does also kinky play for the nice guy, kinky play for the loving couple. He's starting to do something called husband camp that's online, but he's, he, it comes from all the teachings that he's been labbing in our, in our place. We've had cuddle parties. We've had tasting parties. Yes. Yes. So I've been doing some events. So the mercy mistress, femdom, BDSM, kink taster that you went to is my new favorite. I'm really excited. I want to do it quarterly, a screening of some short kinky film or several short kinky film kinky films that would make up a 30 to 45 minute thing that will get people kind of juiced up and get them curious and get them a little turned on. And then, you know, having these stations and I'd like to switch up the stations a little bit. I'd like to have energy work, tantric, tantric stuff. I'd like to always have impact, always have rope because people are curious about it. Sensation play is just great. <laughs> what about a little, an e-stim situation? Yeah, we'd have to get somebody really skilled if they if we want to do the violet wand situation. That's a little... A little edgy? It's a little more advanced, I feel like. Right. And this is a really, this is really a, an intro. Yeah. There could be like a little curtain. It's like east in behind the curtain. Like if you dare. Oh, if you dare. If you dare, the next level. I, I will consider it. <laughs> I will think about it. One of the things that I noticed when you were talking about Hacienda is how welcoming it has become. I think when you were talking about having a sort of insular parties that the people in the space wanted to have, that's fun and interesting. But what's more interesting is how do you open it up to the community at large? And I was in Washington Square Park today and I gave free love advice. And, you know, people walk by and they see the sign and they laugh or they talk to their friends and they go, free love advice. And then I go, hey, yeah, it's free. Do you want some? And they go, no, I'm okay. And this guy walked by, and this is so classic. He walked by and I and he mouthed the words, free love advice to himself, walking by. And I go, what's up, bro? You want some? And he goes, no, no, I'm good. I met my partner. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm so happy for you. Have a great life, basically. <laughs> Have a great life. And he came, he, he turned around and came and talked to me. I started talking to him and I told him that I had an interview coming up with you and that you lived in a sex-positive, intentional community. And he, and he goes, what the fuck is that? Right, right. And then I explained it to him, and I go, yeah, they throw sex parties. And he goes, man, I wish I had known about that when I was single. Mm -hmm. not, not to say that you can't go to these parties if you're in a relationship. Actually, but, most people do. Yeah, but, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Most people that go to your parties, but not most people that are in relationships. Right. And he goes... I don't even know if I would have been able to know about these places. Like we know that they exist, mm -hmm. that it's a thing, but we don't know how to access them. Yeah. And it sounds like you're, you're sort of building a space where you, you do some outreach. We do, but that doesn't gain people access to the sex parties right. is the truth because they're always curated. And most of the ones that are in our home or adjacent in the community are personal invitations and you vouch for the people that you bring. There's one that has a really lovely system where you have buddies. And so you have to have somebody who has already been, who goes to that party, agree to be your buddy and they're your accountability person. And if you get kicked out, they get kicked out. 
So, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a great way to do it. So it's not, it's not open access, but if people get on the mailing list, they are invited to sexy things. And if they are cool and they make friends and they are not creepy about it, then they might get invited to these more private parties. Yeah, that's where all the magic happens. No, actually. Oh. A lot of the magic happens in workshops. A lot of the magic happens in socials. Not all the magic happens at sex parties. It's just the flashiest thing. Right. It's the thing that people want access to. The thing is, when they get it, they don't know what to do. Ooh, and wait. we have all these things that are set up so that they will. What do you mean they don't know what to do? People at their first sex party are freaked out. I was petrified. Yeah. And unless you have, as we do, we always have an orientation and it's mandatory. So if, you, if you're going for the first time, you have somebody guiding you and telling you, it's okay to do this. It's not okay to do that. This is inadvisable. You know, don't, don't uh, brush your teeth or use dental floss because your gums could bleed, leading to a higher rate of transmission of STIs, et cetera, et cetera. You know, helpful tips. I said the other night at Mercy Mistress, watching is participating. When you watch something, you are imbuing it with the energy with which you watch it. And so you have to be conscientious of the way in which you're watching something and also the distance, right? If I'm this close to you. How close? This close. Like three feet. And I'm staring at your genitals. That's a little much. If I'm across the room from you, I can stare as hard as I want. Within reason. Within reason. I know I said it and it came out of my mouth and I was like, you can't stare as hard as you want. But you can stare with more intensity the further away you are. Mm -hmm. If you're right next to somebody, like if you sit down next to somebody on the subway and they turn and stare at you, that is so invasive. Same thing at a sex party, you know? So people don't know the etiquette. There are etiquette workshops that exist. There are, you know, how to throw parties for the, Andrew's going to do a, a whole series on how to throw play parties. There's also dipping the toe in the water situation where you can go to a, a makeout party and just feel, feel that, right? Because the, the vibe is such that you get some of that adrenaline going and you're like, Ooh, who am I going to make out with? How do I approach somebody? Cuddle parties have a similar thing, right? How do I ask somebody for consent? What do I say? What if somebody says no? How do I say no to them? All these things require practice for fluency. And so if you just, you know, you invite somebody like that guy who has no idea what a sex party is like to a sex party, he's going to come in He's going to be petrified. And if you, if it's a, a play party that does not have an orientation, then probably he's going to get drunk to feel comfortable. He's going to eke other people out because he's watching them too intently. And he's going to be either overzealously pursuing women who feel very comfortable with their sexuality in those environments and so feel comfortable to dress very scantily or to run around with great exuberance about their sexuality because they've 
organized and made agreements with people beforehand, talked it out beforehand, which is not what you're seeing in front of you, and, you know, aggressively go after those women, or is going to be too embarrassed and too shy and just be like on the wall, making everybody else uncomfortable with their discomfort. That was me, by the way. Yeah. At my first party. Yeah. I didn't like my outfit. I didn't. I mean, oh, there, yeah. What were you wearing? I was wearing a suit. But, oh, it, but that could be hot. I know, but it but I it wasn't. And then like you a, take it off in stages. I know. I never. No? I was like wearing a. I had a cock ring on, and I and I was with a beautiful woman, like an ex. Mm-hmm. And we we just we both wanted to go, and uh-huh. the suit was. This is going to sound bad. Was not a modern cut. So, no, no, I understand. Yeah, I wanted it to be leaner. Yeah, I wanted the, yeah. the skinny tie. the pants. No, I had the skinny tie. Okay. The, I wanted the <laughs> pants to be slim fit and they weren't. And I just felt oh. sort of like like a businessman. Yeah. And amongst it was, all these people wearing leather and latex and things. Yeah, and getting flogged and blown yeah. and yeah. and I just didn't know how to act. And there was an opening circle and there was I had to be vouched. There was an application for okay. me as a as a new person into that. But they community. had no onboarding process? There was uh, there was no onboarding process. It's really important. Yeah, no. I'm we glad it has evolved. That hacienda has evolved to have one because it's crucial. And I was told by someone who's doing actually some some men's groups and things like that. He had never been to one. I invited him to the one that we did. It was called Rainbow Playground. It was Rainbows and Unicorns party. And that it was just us villains doing it in the house. That's what we call ourselves, the villains. Uh-huh. V-I-L-L-A-N-S, villains. As opposed to? V-I-L-L-A-I-N-S, <laughs> villains, you know. <laughs> so it was just the villains curating this party and, and hosting it. Why was I telling you about that? It just flew out of my brain. The onboarding process. Ah, yes. And so this was the first time that I had the opportunity to do that part. (laughs) I was put on the spot there first. I was like, did I fucking lose the thread? Oh, no, it was me. It was all me. I'm having a day. So so myself and Morel, who's the first guest ever on my podcast, we teamed up to do the orientation. And we were like, we can make this fun. We can make this sexy. We can make this playful. Because... Sometimes it gets a little dry and a little boring. And so we had we had call and response. Like, you know, what are what's what does enthusiastic consent sound like? You know? Fuck yes. Ooh, yeah, more please. You know, and we had we did call and response with that. I did a little demonstration of watching somebody from that distance and from this distance and from closer and from right next to them. And I asked two people to make out. And, you know, so it was, it was fun and it was playful, but it was informative. And we spoke about, you know, just, just say no, thank you. If you're a maybe say no, thank you. And so this, this friend of mine who came said, you know, the way that you held that space, I felt so welcomed in. I felt like I could enter. And then I had a wonderful time because I knew what the rules were. If you don't know what the rules are, it's hard to have a good time unless you're a sociopath. Having some parameters so you know, okay, it's cool to don't go into these people's rooms. You know, it's cool to use the hot tub naked. You know, all these things that you might be worried about or like, what if, 
what if I go soft? You know, like all these, these worries, you know, if, if you have people just addressing them and normalizing, speaking about them as, as is your mission, it assuages so much, so much worry, so much anxiety. And we make room for more pleasure, which is really our mission, right? We celebrate all these choices in service of people having more pleasure. Mm-hmm. And the sense is that we can be, it's actually one of our principles, responsibly hedonistic. We can have lots and lots and lots of, pre- of pleasure causing minimal harm right. to ourselves and others. Because there can be harm when there's blatant seeking of pleasure with no... No filter, no cap, no checks and balances of how this might affect another human being. What's my impact? What is the impact that this will have? We, t- we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. You said you're working on that. It's important. Oh yeah, what's my impact? As you know, I like to give free love advice uh, often in the street. I have a little sign to put it up. And I've been hearing from a lot of you that you really enjoy the free love advice segment. Uh, people have said that they they relate to the people that I'm talking to. They can see themselves in their story. And they love the fact that uh, it's sort of like a, 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 it's a bit of a voyeuristic thing to, to, to be privy to these very intimate conversations that I have with strangers. And I love connecting with strangers on that way. So what I have for you today is a conversation with a Love Drive listener who called in for a free love advice session. And this is a sneak peek of a longer conversation, but I wanted to share this with you. So enjoy. You know, I I work out regularly. I try to devote myself to just becoming a better person, to becoming a better and more interesting person. But but the end of the day, when I go to bed, I'll... You know, I stare at the at the ceiling and I think about her. Especially, it's it, it's even worse when I'm at work and I see her. And at the same time, I'm not cutting. You know, if I were to cut all the communications with her, then maybe I could tolerate it. But I am trying to stay connected with her, not romantically. I'm not trying to backdoor into the relationships or something. I am trying to support her because she's going through hardships of, of of life and and she told me once after we broke out that she actually trusts me more than she ever trusted anyone outside of her family and she would even entrust her daughter to me which was which was very crazy to hear it was it meant a lot to me and she's well i, I love her as a person who is very close to me who is important to me and I'm kind of in this situation when I want to to stay in touch and I'm scared to blow it. So do you want the advice? I do. The advice is to do a period of no contact, which is hard to do because you work together. But and, and you said it yourself, you you suspect that if you cut off communication with her for a period of time, you would feel better. I really, I believe this to be true. If you could take 
three months or six months for no of no contact. And you explain to her and you say, look, this is what I need to do for me, right? Because it's too bad that she's going through a hard time that you want to be there for her, but you're not the only person in her life. So she has other people that she can lean on in a time, in this time of duress. And you need to take care of yourself. And that includes getting over this relationship that it's causing you a lot of sadness, despite all the other great things that you're doing in your life. And I can say with a lot of certainty that every relationship that has ended for me, when I took a period of no contact, I was able to turn those exes into friendships. And I am friends with my exes, all of them, because I took a period of no contact, which was what I needed to heal from a painful breakup. And so in order for me to even be friends with them, I had to take that that period of no contact. And it let just like all of my emotions just settle. So I wasn't so raw and so brittle. I felt really brittle after these breakups. And now I'm friends. Like I can call any of my ex- exes up and we can we can talk about anything, including their romantic relationships and my romantic relationships. So the, the period of, co- of no contact was was instrumental in us being able to repair our relationship. And so if you really do care about her, this is potentially one way for there to be a relationship in the future, a friendship where you both are useful to each other. But I feel that after a relationship, it's really hard to be useful to an ex-partner because everything is so raw. Yeah. You're probably right. Uh, I think uh, I might need to find a way to to do this. Uh. That was a portion of the conversation that I had with Timur, who is looking for love. He's looking to get over his ex and he's looking to make sex and love a little less awkward. So I plan on releasing this full conversation at some point in the near future. And also I'm going to be checking back with Timur to see how he's been doing. So if you are interested and you want some free love advice, then go to thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. Sign up, you'll get access to my calendar, you can plug yourself in, and we'll get together and you can tell me what is bothering you. What's your challenge? Do you have an obstacle? I'll be yours for 30 minutes. So thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. We are talking with Lila Donalo, who is the host of the Horizontal with Lila podcast. We're, We're talking about the community, the sex positive play community. That's what people call it, right? They call it the community. Like, oh, I'm in the community or I've met somebody in the community. People don't know what is the community. Community. The community of people that are either poly, open, or engage in play parties. The sex positive wheelhouse. Yeah. What about it? I think in my experience, it can be a little messy. I agree. And actually, I don't seek my partners inside this community. Right. My preference and my interest is in having someone from outside the community who is open-minded and playful and curious 
as my lover is now and willing to come to a play party with me as we did for the first time on our third date. I mean, we, we had been close in college, so there was some familiarity and some intimacy already established, but somebody who is open. Actually, I find, interestingly enough, that a lot of people in the community are very set in what they believe for themselves and how they're wired. And I'm not. I'm very curious about what I could be interested in and what I could desire if I felt beloved and cherished in my relationship. I feel like there's so much that we could explore. And there's a lot of interest that I have in that. There's also a lot of people using the term sex positive and the term polyamorous and even non-monogamous to cover up just fuckery, just blatant hedonism that does not take into regard other people's feelings. Unchecked. Yeah, just rampant, unconscionable fulfilling of their own selfish desires. And I think to some extent, it attracts folks who don't feel like they fit into the standard narrative as Chris Ryan and Casilda Jetha, I think that's how you pronounce her name, of Sex at Dawn, the authors of Sex at Dawn would say the standard narrative of you date, you get married, you have kids, you know, monogamous, you die. Yeah. Stop having sex. (laughs) You stop having sex, right. You die. You die. (laughs) And then all the extra marital stuff is non-sanctioned and and is cheating, Mm -hmm. non-consensual. People who are more radical, people who want more novelty. Kenneth, for instance, is, is an extreme novelty seeker. And that's really important to him. He feels like he needs that to really be excited. Interestingly enough with him, he has to have a partner in order to be really slutty. He's his sluttiest when he has a partner because he has the foundation and he's been lucky or he's been just intelligent about choosing his partners, let's say, not lucky, fortunate to have found them and intelligent about choosing them, that he's paired with really slutty people who are really happy to be slutty and to be slutty with him and that he's slutty and they're fine with it, you know, and they enjoy it. I think that a lot of people are looking for an excuse for their bad behavior. And a lot of people are looking for excuses not to be accountable for their actions. Many of those people are drawn to non-monogamy. And I find that behavior repelling. And I see it. I witness it. I see the fallout from it. I feel the fallout from it when I'm at a sex party. I feel the emotional rumble. And I don't want to do it that way, Mm. you know? So before Peter and I went to our first play party together, we did an exercise that that has been recommended at these orientations. And we did boundaries, fears, intentions, and desires. And it was fabulous. So I'm familiar with the with the boundaries, fears, and desires, but intentions is new to me. Oh, okay. So intentions. My intention for that party was 
to have an experience with him. I wasn't looking to engage with, of course, I was going to talk to other people, but I wasn't looking to engage with anybody else. My intention was to, to cultivate this new experience together. And so if that meant that we stayed for five minutes and came upstairs and fucked, that was fine. If, if that, if that meant that we just went in the hot tub and hung out and chatted with people, that was also fine, you know? And so that was my intention. Your intention might be to practice your boundaries. And so you're going to refuse every invitation made to you that night. Your intention might be to find a new lover. So the intention would be usually an, a larger thing, whereas the desire is quite specific. Mm. You know, because maybe the new lover that you want is a guy because you really want to tickle someone's balls. <laughs> For example. For example. <laughs> you know. I like the idea of, of someone being called a novelty seeker because I felt, I feel that I've, I've gone my whole, my whole life seeking novelty, seeking new partners. I've had a lot of partners and I find new partners so exciting. Yeah. And I often lose interest very quickly. How quickly? After having sex with them twice. Mm-hmm. Would that qualify as a novelty seeker? Yeah, I think that's actually really common. Twice. Yeah. yeah, twice. Once is like super fun and then the second time is like, let's see what else is going on here. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes there's, there's not much going on. Yeah. Uh, I know a fair amount of folks who are like that in this community yeah <laughs> the community <laughs> the community <laughs> sounds so bad when you say it like that and they also long for the complete opposite end of the spectrum right they also long for stability and coziness and netflix and and all this and they want to have the novelty too and i think there are ways to do it is the thing i think there are ways to do it but I, I do much prefer this newer model of honesty and transparency about your desires. Because also there's different ways to do that. You could have, and a lot of people do, an agreement with their partner that you only have sex with new people together. Or maybe your desire, it sounds like your desire is really to have new partners to have sex with pretty regularly. But that experience is for you. And then you might have a girlfriend who's okay with that. That sounds okay. I, I want a partner that I can build a life with mm-hmm. and have a solid foundation and build a house together and mm-hmm. have children and throw the ball for the dogs. Okay. And then I want the option. I want someone who's open to being open. Right. So I want the option to talk about what, bringing a new partner looks like or having an experience with a new partner looks like, maybe it's something that we do as a couple. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something that we do only at parties. Maybe it's something that I do on my own and she does on her own. There's so many options. I love, I just want an option Yeah. to talk about it. If it's a no right off the bat, then it's not going to work Yeah. because I want to talk and I want to explore. And like you said, I want the option to change what I like I want to be able to grow with somebody and I want, I don't want my desires to be fixed from this point on. Right. 
And I gave some advice to a woman today who did not want to be recorded because she said that her voice was so particular and well-known in this, in New York, that people were going to recognize her. And she just had like a literally a run-of-the-mill voice. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't, I didn't push her because she wasn't comfortable, but she's getting older and she is dating the, the the issue that she had was that she's dating a man that she thinks is in open relationships and because he's always he at one point mentioned that he was in an open relationship and has recently been referring to things that he's been doing he, he would say oh i went out with my friend today uh-huh. and he would and he would be not available for that whole day and so she has an inkling that he's sleeping with other women sure and more than an inkling yeah i mean it's I mean, he also told her that he was in an open If he told her, then... Yeah. Yeah, why hasn't she inquired further? Well, so that was... A, that. Thank you. That was the advice that I gave her was, let's talk talk about it. Yeah. He, he's already told you that he's, that he's open, so he's probably open to talking about it. But she said that he has been opening her up to new experiences because she never thought that she'd be the type of person to fall in love with a man who's in an open relationship. Mm-hmm. She's even gone to a, a play party in Germany and she said it was the tackiest thing ever, <laughs> but, but that she never thought that she was the type of person to go to a play party. A good question for her to ask him would be, what does your constellation look like right now? And that would be the series of relationships, the series of people that you're involved with, your constellation. Whoa. Mm. And the series of people that they're involved with, right? Because that's that's how it goes when when it's not just one to one. There are yeah whole nebulas. <laughs> yeah, it's all connected. So my question for you is: Have you ever been with someone and had sustained sexual attraction for them? Yeah, all my girlfriends. Every woman that I've dated seriously for over, I mean, I don't have, I don't date casually. It's either casual sex or a relationship. There's no casual dating. Why? I'm just against casual dating? I'm just against casual dating. Yes, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, it's like when I meet a girlfriend, it's instant attraction. I mean, it's lust is what it is. What sure. I thought it was love, but it's actually lust. And But it's mutual. And then, That's the first stage. That's the first stage. But it's mutual, and we both sort of look at each other and go, yeah, let's do this thing. And then that's it. Tinder's off. It's all, everything's off, and it's just I'm fully okay. present and devoted. And that, I haven't found that in several years now. Yeah. And so... I'm starting to figure out that maybe my lust gauge is not a good gauge for what a long-lasting, stable relationship is built from. But you're going to have to have some lust. I mean, I don't want to be in a romantic relationship with somebody that I don't have lust for. Sure. Although that is the first you know, stage of, of a development of a bond, lust, infatuation, bonding. But I also lust after like casual partners. Sure. But I don't, I don't have the infatuation stage. It's just right. lust. Then it doesn't, co- yeah. So that's why you fall off with them after two times. Because it's sexual. It's, a, it it's actually arousal at that point. It's only really arousal. And once the arousal has gone, the desire to connect mm-hmm. is also gone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. Open to being open. I do like that. That's not a very stringent, you know, standard open to being open 
Are you willing to have a conversation with me well, about it? At least to have a conversation. I mean, sometimes I was thinking about this as you were saying it. Sometimes just having the conversation about it is hot. Yeah. Really hot. I know. I have described threesome fantasies that I've had to partners of mine that they were involved with. And we had great sex while that was happening. Delicious. And that's one way, as Esther Perel would call it, to, to navigate the presence of the other. There's always the other, right? It's not your, you're not living on a deserted island. You're not isolated from the rest of the world. There's always going to be other people you're attracted to. And my sense is that it's only when we ignore that that it implodes on us in a particular way. And really, I mean implodes, right? Goes in and erupts on the inside and harms us. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that can come out of a discussion like that. That's why I think those there's there are kink questionnaires that say, you know, on on a scale of hard no to soft no to to curious to think I might want to try to definitely want to try. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And to do that with a partner, I did that once with a partner. It was it was like an 18-page questionnaire. Right. And it was awesome. I think that's the day also that I wound up. Yes. Okay. So he was baking and he put he put a Pyrex on the stove and then it exploded all over the kitchen. There was blue glass all over the kitchen. I got really hot and I started masturbating in the kitchen. We masturbated while looking at each other over the glass in the kitchen. We didn't lie down. It makes it sound much more dangerous than it was. But it was kind of sexy <laughs> to have just broken something and then be like, oh, that's so hot. I mean, chaos can be really, <laughs> really, really arousing. You know, like doing something that you know isn't good for you can also be really, really, really arousing. Yeah. And that's why I think that people get off on, you know, irresponsible behavior. All in, kinds of taboo things. In the community or outside. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember... I, when I was traveling and I was doing my Horizontal Does America road trip and recording tour, I wound up one night in kind of a secret, illegal hot springs in Utah. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And I was with two folks. And we just started sharing. I told them about my podcast and then it just opened up and we just started sharing. And he told a story about how he was with a woman that he was crazy about. And she was totally down for pretty much everything. She would she would bring women home to play with them. They could go to sex clubs. They could do. She was so down. She was so open, and she wanted to do. And she was excited about it. It wasn't that she was just doing it for him. She was into it. And he cheated on her because that was the only thing she asked him not to do. We are perverse. Humans are perverse. We transgression can be really hot. <laughs> we have to choose how we want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anyone to transgress against me. Sounds painful. Yes. And then you will give up some excitement, maybe. Life is exciting enough as it Life is. Life is exciting. Okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. What's exciting in your world right now? 
That's exciting in my world right now. I'm about to go to Burning Man for the first time and have a very, very, very shiny outfit. <laughs> so many shiny outfits. I can attest to the shine it's that so you will pretty. be bestowing upon Black uh, Rock City 2018. I, I'm going to be a walking gold disco ball. Very exciting. And I'm excited about the episode I recorded with my father. It's three hours long. It's the best conversation I've ever had with my father. I learned so many things about him that I had never thought to ask him about before I interviewed him. I recommend you interview your parents if you can, while you can. And I'm excited about falling in love with someone from my past. And I'm excited about the incredible tenderness that is in this really hot relationship. And I'm excited about sharing my writing again. I'm excited about writing a memoir about the house. I'm excited about working towards my goal of making a TV show. And I'm excited about the way that multiple times a week, somebody reaches out to me and says, I had a conversation with my lover, parent, friend that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't listening to you. Where can we listen to you? Well, there's horizontalwithlila.com where all the things live. And it's also on iTunes and Google Play Music, Spotify. And I post pretty photos of me horizontal in unexpected places on the Instagram. Do you have a parting thought? When you say that, I just think of the Forster quote, only connect. I don't think that we will regret any of the time we've spent trying to connect with other humans. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help from Guilford Street Studios. We are a small outfit, and we tremendously appreciate your support. So uh, thanks for everybody who has been listening to the show. Thank you for your support, for your attention. Thank you for your conversations on Instagram. If you want to find out more about me, go to thelovedrive.com or follow me on Instagram at thelovedrive. Next week, four stories. Free Love Advice is back from uh, this time, actually, from uh, my birthday. My birthday was September 12th, 1982, if you must know. I'm a Virgo. And uh, I get a little sad around my birthday. And so I, to combat the depression, went out and gave some free love advice. And for some reason, a lot of it had to do with cheating. So I kind of have one year to figure this shit out. You're going to keep cheating on these guys for a year until you figure it out? Well... A year is nothing. <laughs>